so I was asking the Lord what we were going to do at the end, and I do think we might have a little altar tonight. I believe the Lord is moving in here tonight. How many felt that coming to the room, something about making room for him is an assignment God has in this service tonight? So songs are wonderful. All of them are anointed, but sometimes a song can be prophetic. And did anybody feel a shift in the atmosphere? Because God started, I believe, speaking individually to people at that moment. And even like some of our students up here that you all saw rolling in the floor and laughing, they just got a word and it just wrecked them. Because when a prophetic wave just comes in the house, it doesn't have to come from the microphone. You know, God will speak. So let's just do this. How many did God speak something personal to you during that second song? He did me. Anybody? Put it up high. I just want people to see. Wow, see? God's already spoken tonight. That's amazing. And it didn't come from the preaching. It came from the Holy Spirit moving through people or speaking to you. And we're going to talk about that tonight. So I just think that's amazing. And that's how church should be. So Karen is preaching tonight in Florida. I'm so sorry you're stuck with me alone. But I have a clock in front of me. He's going to be so proud of me. I'm going to stay on time. I'm not going to do risky things tonight without him, I don't think. So I don't get in trouble. But we'll see what God wants to do. Can we turn to those cameras and wave to our Athens campus? Hello, Athens. They've been joining us live stream this entire night. We love you. Can't wait to come to be in Athens with you. My hometown is Athens, in case those of you don't know that. That's my hometown, so I want to say hi to my home folks. And we're going to continue our series, Building a Prophetic House. So, um, again, I love to teach, and I'm just going to pretend this is a small classroom, even though it's not. And tonight, we may get into prophesying some, but I just want to teach and lay a foundation that I believe opens our heart and our understanding for God to speak to us and God to speak through us to other people because that's what church should be about and that's what you as the church should be to other people. You should be an encounter for them, that they encounter the Lord when they encounter you. And so all of this is helping us be a prophetic house. We want this house to be prophetic. I want your house to be prophetic. And you as the temple of God, you are called to be prophetic. Everybody can prophesy. We learned last week that there are some who are called to be prophets. That is anointed and called by the Lord. You can't uh, declare a major to be a prophet. You can't ask God to be a prophet. It's probably something you were called to do in your mother's womb. And that's all the Old Testament prophets we think about. And if any of you have encountered prophetic ministry, how many were here when uh, Tomi Ariomi preached at church? Um, and, and those people in that office, they may correct, rebuke, they may send a warning. Um, a lot of us will get on Facebook and we'll see prophets giving warnings over the nation or whatever. But I'm not talking about the office of a prophet tonight. We will. We're actually going to have a whole session on what it means to be a false prophet and what you do with false prophecy and how many of know, know we've had enough of that in the church world, and we're going to talk about what we do with it. But tonight, I'm talking about the gift of prophecy, and that we established last week is for everyone. All of God's children can prophesy. Acts 2 says that he's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh and sons and daughters can prophesy. And so that's why we want to build a prophetic house. It's my goal by the end of 2022, every member of Redemption to the Nations Church is operating in the gifts of the spirit, including the gift of prophecy. 
It would change everything about this house. So we learned that prophecy does three things. If I was in class, I would make you stand up or call on somebody, but I won't tonight. But it edifies, which means to build up. It exhorts, which means to call near. And it consoles. And that Greek word means to cheer up. So if you are always getting words for people that are corrective or exposing, it does not necessarily mean you're not hearing God. It could be Maybe you have a, a, the anointing of a prophet on your life and you don't know it yet. But the gift of prophecy does not shame people, correct people, expose people, tear them down, or turn them away from God. That's not the gift of prophecy. And so as a little pastoral instruction for this house, everybody take a deep breath because I will say things like this through all the class. We've got to have structure and order in how we operate here because people can get hurt when gifts are not used properly. And people can get hurt when even anointed people don't use their gifts and anointing properly. So when you are a part of a church body, this is just a great rule of thumb. If you're watching me from live stream and you're from another church, if you do feel that God has called you to a five-fold office, especially a prophet, that should be identified by whatever the government is of that house, whatever the leadership is of that house. It protects you and it protects the people in the house. If you're sitting in this church pew on a Sunday and you feel anointed to be a prophet, but nobody knows that, and you go around correcting everybody and reading their mail and saying this, saith the Lord, there's no covering for you. And you could actually be in error and there's no correction to help you or the person you're ministering to. So just note to self, at Redemption to the Nations Church, we try to know who among us has a governing gift. And I think we have several prophets in our house. I do. I know several of them. But if that's something you're like, Pastor Devin, you keep telling me to build up, but I'm getting warnings for our nation, then you should go to a leader and say, look, maybe this is what God has anointed me to do, and we can help shape that gift and cover that gift. But unless that's been identified, here's where you need to take a deep breath. I'm asking people who operate on the altars of this church, unless you have been deemed a prophet who has established themselves in their gift and can correct and rebuke, don't do it. Even if you are it, don't do it in this house. <laughs> Wait until there's a release and you use your gift to edify, build up, and exhort. Can everybody handle that? So just hold it on back until you can get um, some covering from a leader, and we'll talk about it. But I am asking, we want this altar to be a place of building up, drawing near, encouraging. And outside of that, there are ways to correct, rebuke that is right. And that's what we'll instruct you in if you have that anointing on your life. Can everybody handle that? So we build up. So when in doubt, do without. Don't do it. So without the gift of prophecy, if we did not have this edifying and this building up, it's necessary to have a prophetic house because if you don't, people remain dormant. People don't grow. We don't have joy. We can miss divine appointments from God. Prophecy builds us up and aligns us. And so I want to go a little deeper into the gift and the purpose of the gift of prophecy. And then we're going to actually go into three basic parts of prophecy. And if we get to go past that, we're going to actually talk about hearing the voice of God. But the good thing about a series is wherever we need to stop, we'll stop and pick up next week. So I want to take us to 1 Corinthians 
chapter 14, if Chad can put it up there, verses 24 and 25, this is a passage about prophecy I want to talk about because I think sometimes in the church we have seen it through the wrong lens. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 24 through 25, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all, he is called into account by all, the secrets of his heart are revealed or disclosed, so he will fall on his face and worship God declaring God is certainly among you. So this is instruction to the corporate body on kind of how the gift of prophecy can work. They're basically saying if everybody in the house is prophesying and somebody comes in and they're either an unbeliever, that means they've not been brought into the family yet, they don't know what's going on, or they're ungifted, meaning they've never operated in the gift of prophecy, they're not sure about that gift, and people, someone prophesies over them, this should be the result. They should not crawl under their pew and hide. They should not run out the back door, right, and say, I'm never coming back. The Bible says the end result is they will fall on their face and worship God. In other words, they're drawn near. And then they will say, surely God is here, which means an unbeliever who doesn't know God will be drawn close to God by the prophetic word. So you see all three of the elements of prophecy in there, edification, exhortation, consolation. So this whole notion that the gift of prophecy is only for believers and that we should quench those gifts when a lost person or an unbeliever in the house, it's actually wrong. These gifts are not just to build up the body. They're actually to evangelize the lost. And if they are used prop properly, even someone who's been in church their whole life but never known what prophecy is, if they encounter the true gift of prophecy, they will turn toward God and stay away instead of away from God. I don't care if they've been raised Catholic or what they've been raised, they've never been exposed to it about. If you look at the life of Jesus who operated in the every gift of the Spirit, never did a sinner run from him. Whether it was a word of knowledge or a correction or a prophetic word, never did a sinner run from him. They always ran to him. And prophecy is like a magnet that should draw people to God. And so when we look at this passage, and in the church world, I think we've looked at it many times, and we see that phrase, the secrets of his heart are revealed or disclosed, we thought that that meant we tell all their dirt, right? Like, okay, prophecy means I expose all the secrets of your heart. I reveal the dirt. But I want to challenge the interpretation of that, especially if you read it in the Greek, because if I came into a place and I was an unbeliever and gifted and someone told me, let's say I was a drug addict, and someone told me that I was in a meth house the night before, or let's say I, I had, like the woman of the well had five husbands and someone just came to church and called me an adult, adulterer, I don't know that my response would be falling on my face and worshiping God. My response would be shame. My response would be embarrassment. And I don't know if you've ever had the experience of being embarrassed by a prophetic word, but I have. <laughs> when you're like, please don't say that in front of people. Because people know their own dirt. 
If you're a sinner, you know your sin better than anybody else. If you're a Christian in compromise, you know your compromise. It's a secret to me, but it's not a secret of your heart. You know your sin. What is a secret of your heart is God's treasure inside of you, is God's potential over your life. It's the plans God has yet to reveal. I don't need to prophesy over a drug addict that they've been doing drugs. That does not transform them, and that is not a secret of their heart. But when I look at a drug addict and say, God has called you to preach, I see you as sharing the gospel to the nations, that's a secret to that drug addict. How do I know? Because they wouldn't be doing drugs if they really thought God had that plan for their life. And that's what causes a drug addict to fall on their face, sober immediately, worship God and say, who is this God? Because he's see something in me I didn't know about myself so the way we say it at our school it's like treasure hunting okay we have this treasure in earthen vessels we are all made of dirt and I don't want my students to go out exposing people's dirt and when we come to this church you don't need to look at people's dirt and their flesh and think that's what God wants to say to them what you've got to do is learn to look at the woman at Walmart or the prostitute on the street or the homeless man that's begging money at the traffic light and say father what secret treasure do you see over that person and if you'll reveal it to me I'll reveal it to them and they're going to know you love them isn't that amazing? So when you are in a position where someone's asked you to pray for them or you've, you've put, set yourself up and said, Lord, I'm going to Cracker Barrel today and by the time I pay for my ticket, I'm going to pray for my server. That's what I do. You start praying, Father, what do they not know about themselves that you know about them? What do you see over them that is a surprise to them today? What can I say to call out the treasure out of the dirt and call out a transformation from whatever they're trapped in and that's how the gift of prophecy works so if your lens is always seeing the dirt you are still prophesying from a natural realm and it's not a gift it's the obvious being stated but when you ask for spiritual vision you will see potential in people that will sometimes shock you I don't know if anybody in here has ever been shocked by their own prophetic words, but I have. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever been in here and said, Lord, do I say that to that person? Really? That's what you think of that person? Is that what you're going to do over that person? Shocked because you know why? It's a secret to me too. And we are not the one that determines the heart of someone or the destiny over their life. You've got to speak it and look past. That's why that Jesus could look at someone like Mary Magdalene and deliver her of seven devils and know she would be the last one. I mean, the first one at the tomb to preach a gospel message. But if you and I saw Mary Magdalene, we'd probably run from her because she was manifesting, right? We wouldn't want to have anything to do with her. And most of us would have never looked at her and say, you'll be the first woman preacher in scripture. So we've got to learn to be treasure hunters. So look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be a treasure hunter. So when you give a word and it edifies, exhorts, or it draws people near by consolation, there are going to be three 
parts to this prophetic word that reveals the treasure in someone. And we will break these down over the next couple weeks. But these three parts, they're not just listed in scripture. This is just breaking down a practical application of how you can handle a prophetic word. This is just to equip you, whether you're delivering it or you're receiving it, you'll find every word has these three parts. Are you ready? Number one, revelation. Somebody shout revelation. What does that mean? It's something revealed. A prophetic word is something that was hidden that is now revealed. The question attached to revelation is, what is God saying? That's how every prophetic word starts. God is saying something. And so the revelation is the responsibility of the person delivering the word. So if you go to pray for someone... And you want to put yourself in a position to say, God, if you want to speak, I'll speak for you. Then this is what you ask God. What are you saying? Not what can I imagine? Not what can I think up? Not what would I say if I were, you know, we're going to give this person instruction. You stop and you say, God, there's a lot of things I might say. But I want to know what are you saying? And that is revelation. And we're going to get into that in a moment if we have time about how do we actually hear what God is saying? How do we hear his voice? What languages does God speak? Is it just words or will he speak to me in other ways? And there are many ways we can gain revelation. Part two. So revelation comes. God says something through a person to another individual. He says something. And then there's got to be an interpretation. So number two is interpretation. So God says something, and the next question is this. What does that mean? Sometimes it's really obvious. Sometimes you'll get a, just an encouraging word that the Lord says his plans are to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And that's a scripture that I just quoted, but sometimes there's blue on that red. It means something to somebody. It's a live word in that moment. And we kind of know what that means. It means God has plans for us, right? But it's like the example I gave last week when, when the guy was praying for the woman and said, you have a yellow shirt on. And he did not know what the revelation was. I mean, he did not know what the interpretation was. He only knew what the revelation was. And you're like, what does that mean? And I will tell you, there have been times I have been given, someone gave me a prophetic word. And I understood immediately what it meant. I mean, it went from the top of my head to the tip of my toes, answered a question, encouraged me. I knew what it meant. There have been other times I have gotten a word and been like, thank you. I'm going to pray on that. And I have no idea what it means. But I will go home and I will pray. It might be an hour. It might be a few days. And then there will be this moment, light bulb goes off, revelation comes. Sometimes it's when it's fulfilled. Sometimes something will happen and I'll go, that is what God was saying. That's what it meant. That part is revelation. This is what's really important. If you are the one giving the prophetic word, that interpretation may not always come to you. In fact, a lot of the times it won't. Because God's not really trying to talk to you. He's trying to talk to the person. And not everything he wants to say is your business. Sometimes he speaks in code to people because he has a relationship with them that he's just asking you to trigger a conversation or confirm something. And so I want to take the pressure off my 
all my people in here who are praying for the gift of prophecy, you don't always have to interpret it. And in fact, you shouldn't even try unless you know the Spirit has given you revelation and the interpretation of the revelation. Because sometimes if we add our own interpretation, we confuse what God was trying to say. We can actually short-circuit the moment and God will have to send somebody else later because we took the conversation in direction and it was not what God was saying at all. Okay? I've had that happen to me. I'm not trying to make people paranoid about prophesying over me. I love <laughs> to be prophesied over. But I won't say your name if you ever do something wrong. I don't want to make you paranoid. But I have had people prophesy a revelation to me and follow it up with an interpretation. And I actually already had it. And what they said was absolutely not it. And you just smile and you hug them and you say thank you. And you go home and, and you're glad that God had told you what it meant. But there have been other times I have received words and the, the interpretation followed by an individual. And God had to clear it up for me later. Like I, I lost my peace. Like the word started good and then the interpretation came and I'm like, I feel confusion. I feel heavy. I don't know what that meant. That's what happens when we take something supernatural and we try to understand it in a natural realm. Take the pressure off. Just speak the word. And then if God reveals the interpretation, absolutely say it. But if he doesn't, leave it alone and let the Holy Spirit come and interpret. Interpretations can be very personal. Okay, I say this to people. One of the languages of God is dreams, and we're not going to teach on dreams tonight, but I want to use that as an example. Um, my friend, Pastor Sharon Rimkilowan from New York, she came, I think, to a Women of Fire conference and taught a whole class on dreams and dream interpretation. It was phenomenal. But one thing that she said in that class and she taught me personally, she actually truly has the, the gift of dream interpretation. So I'm always calling her because I have the gift of dreams but I can't always interpret dreams. And I know I need to work on that. God is helping me. I will dream it and not have a clue what it means. So I'll call my friend, Pastor Sharon. And this is what Cheryl taught me. She said, Devin, if God gives me the interpretation, I'll give it to you. But let me just warn you. Certain things that mean something to me may mean something different to you. And if God gave you a dream and he put a color or a symbol or a person or a word in that dream, what matters is what that means to you, not what that means to me. Because God's trying to speak to you. And so if I saw a police officer in my dream, I can look up what that means in a dream symbolism book. But if you had a history of being arrested and there was a certain probation officer that meant something in your life, that police officer, that symbol is probably not found in a dream interpretation book. It's personal for you. Does that make sense? Or numbers? You know, I have a friend, um, Pastor Amanda Crabb. She says 22. It just always means something to her. So she could have a dream with 22 in it, and I could try to say double and all kinds of stuff, but it already means something to her. God called her with that a scripture that has to do with that. So if, if you get a word, don't look for everybody else to interpret it for you. Take a deep breath, know that God knows you, and stop and say, well, what does that mean to me? When I see a rainbow, what does that mean to me? And that, chances are, that's what God's trying to say, not what I can tell you the rainbow means. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Let it be personal. That's how God speaks. So there's revelation, interpretation, and then the last part is application. So number one, what is God saying? 
Number two, what does it mean? And then number three, what do I do with it? Now that I've received the word, what do I do? How do I apply it? This is probably a place that um, interpreting and applying prophecy, it can be hard. Sometimes God can say something to us and we're not exactly sure what it means. He can speak a prophetic word of transition. And well, let me give a, a more comical example. I always got words that people saw me pregnant, right? And Kevin would be like, that is a spiritual baby. That is not physical, right? You could have, you could have a dream that you're pregnant or somebody could say, Pastor Devin, I just, I just see you and I see you pregnant and I can go home and be like, does that mean I'm supposed to have a baby or does that mean I'm pregnant in the spirit? Cause that can symbolize you're birthing something. God is creating something new. So just because you get the word doesn't mean you always know how to apply it at first. And you've got to pray and ask the Lord, God, what do I do with this? This is where people get in trouble with prophetic words. You know, pastoring for as many years as we've had, not forever, but we've pastored for a bit. I've seen people make really good life choices through prophetic words. And I have seen people come close to ruining their life by taking an action over one prophetic word. Like a prophetic word about transition. It, it could mean you actually move. It, it could mean you quit your job. It could mean you, you know, leave, leave the church you're at and, and go across the country or go to Africa. But a life-changing decision like that is something you should receive instruction for from the Lord. Because transition could be in the spirit realm and not in the natural. And when you're in doubt, this is what godly counsel is for. So this is not a rule of scripture, but this is a Devin Wallace rule. If I'm at somebody else's church and I'm preaching and I'm speaking a prophetic word to someone, like one of their church members, and I start speaking transition or pregnancy or something that's a major thing, you should let their leader know. And you should let that person know, you know what, why don't you seek godly counsel for how you apply this? Because I am not the shepherd of their life. And the last thing I want to do is release something that is self-destructive later because they did not seek godly counsel, nor do I have relationship with them. That's what the fivefold ministry is for. That's what your Sunday school teacher is for. That's what mothers and fathers in the faith are for. And so if you operate strongly in the prophetic, be cautious when you give words that can be misapplied and have great consequences. Always encourage a person to seek godly counsel. And if you receive a word that has great life-changing potential, I'm sure it's from God, but you need to stop and say, God, I don't want to apply this how it sounds to me. I want to know how you want me to apply it. And when in doubt, seek godly counsel. Okay, We have some rules at our school. Probably should make them at the altar of this church. We won't do that tonight. But there are just certain things that we ask our students. Even if you get the word, please don't prophesy it. Come get a teacher or a leader, and we'll prophesy it together. And we say dates and mates. <laughs> dates and mates. In other words, if God gives you a word, and it's like at 5.05 on February 21st, an angel is going to visit your room, that does not mean it's not God. I have heard Dean Sykes prophesy dates and times, and it be dead on, right? But we tell our students, you're still learning, and that can really set someone up for disappointment if it's not right. So if you get a, a word like that, come get me, and let's go do it together. 
If you get a word like, I'm going to marry you, or you're going to marry so-and-so, or you come up here, you see that dude five rows back? That's your husband. Let's be cautious. Do you have relationship with this person? Is there a spiritual leader with them? Because that could be really destructive if it's all. There are just certain things you should use restraint about or only do with accountability and leadership. Do we understand why? Because it would be really hurtful for someone's life. And so we try to hold off on prophetic words like that. So I would say general rule, especially when we're practicing prophecy in here on Wednesday nights, if it's a date or a mate, Maybe we should make sure there's godly counsel available or a leader just because we can be wrong. And we're going to talk about that probably next week on the fact that it doesn't mean you're a false prophet sometimes if we miss it, but you can miss it. You feel the air leave the room when I say that, but I've missed it. There have been times I thought God said for me to do something and it wasn't. It was my own heart, or maybe it was a desire, or maybe I just had bad pizza and the dream wasn't from God. And I had to stop, and, and thank God, most of the time, he stops me before those mistakes. He'll say, mm-mm, Devin, don't say that. That's not me. And it doesn't mean I'm demonized, and it doesn't mean I have a, a false prophet spirit on me, because there's a whole other in definition of that in Scripture. It means I'm still learning to hear his voice, and I'm not infallible and same for you you should not be comfortable missing God I hope if you miss him you cry and you can go back to the person and say I'm so sorry please don't hold God accountable for that that was me but that shouldn't keep you from trying to hear his voice and trying to deliver his word but we have to be careful because sometimes we can be wrong and so the weight of a word if it's if it's weighty let's let's do it with accountability to help people can y'all handle this tonight is this good so revelation interpretation application so i'm going to take the last few minutes and just lay a foundation for hearing the voice of god we won't get to get through all of this tonight but since Revelation is the responsibility of the person giving the prophetic word. And that's what we're all in here to learn how to do and we're learned to, to ask for the gift of prophecy. Let's just talk about hearing God's voice. Because whether or not you operate in the prophetic, we all can hear God's voice. Now, I'm not sure how all of you were raised in church and, and different places are different. I just want you to know how we feel here. We feel here anybody can hear God's voice. A child can, an adult can, the, the pastor can, the, the kid and the five-year-old in, in children's church can. God will speak to anyone. We believe he can speak anywhere. You don't have to be in a prayer meeting to hear him. You don't have to be in the altar to hear him. These are, these are places where the atmosphere is great. There's a lot less distractions, but you can hear him at Walmart. You can hear him in your shower. You can hear him in the morning when you get up. You can hear God's voice. You don't even have to have been saved 10 years to hear his voice. And I want to challenge everyone listening to me. If you haven't heard his voice, then that should be your goal before we come out of this, these classes. You should want to hear the voice of God. God wants to speak to you. John 10 and 27 says this, my sheep hear my voice. I know some translations say, know my voice, but the embedded interpretation is actually here. When we say, my sheep know my voice, then we think, well, if I haven't heard him, I'm not his sheep. 
But I'm here to tell you, you do hear him. You just may not recognize it's him. If you are saved in this room, you do hear his voice. Pastor Devin, I don't know if I can hear his voice. Yes, you can. If you've been redeemed and the spirit of the Lord lives inside of you, he's probably talking and you just don't know it. He wants to talk to you. How often does he want to talk to me, Pastor Devin? Every day. Oh, are you one of those crazies? Absolutely. I talk to God every day. I cannot tell you, this is not, this is me bragging on Jesus and opening the door for everyone to live a life like this. I can't tell you the last day of my life I haven't heard his voice. Where do you get that, Pastor Devin? Everything you want to know about the heart of God is found in the first three chapters of your Bible in the book of Genesis. When God created the garden, he created his heart and his intention for humanity. And what did God establish? That every day he would come down and walk in the garden with Adam and Eve and communicate. So why should we settle for any less? Jesus came to die on the cross to restore relationship. And I know we're not in heaven yet, but you have access to hear God and talk to him every day. Every day. So uh, this might be a little deep. I don't mean for it to, but just follow me. God is a spirit. He lives in the realm of the spirit. His throne is in a spirit realm. It's in heaven. His, his servants, his angels, they're in a spirit realm. They are in this room, but I cannot physically see them. Many people have come to church and they've seen an angel. I haven't, but they're here. They're just in another realm. They're present. There's just a dimension. It's the spirit realm we can't see. And that's why the only way we can please God and access, access him is through faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen or not seen. And so there's this whole spirit realm that it's not a fairy tale and it's not a cool movie. It's real. There's a whole spirit realm active in your house, in your car, in this room. There are angels and there's Holy Spirit hovering over us. There's just a spirit realm. But we can't see it. And then there's a natural realm. That's the seat you're sitting on, the carpet. It's my clothes. It's my hair. It's my dog. It's my car. It's the grass. It's the trees. It's in the natural realm. So it's another dimension that is just as real. Listen, the spirit and the natural are equally real. But one is unseen and one is seen. So when I see the trees, it's a testimony of an unseen creator. When I see creation, it gives glory to a realm. It testifies of a realm I can't see. But when I see the tree in my heart, I should know God is as real as that tree. It's just another realm. So you've got the natural realm and you've got the spirit realm. Okay, you ready for this? This is the kind of weird part, but it's really not. It's practical. Just hear me. God is in a spirit realm. The trees, the animals, the birds, the car... That is, your flesh is in a natural realm. Everything in the natural realm is not eternal. It doesn't last. It will all be consumed by fire. It will all be destroyed. When you go to heaven, you don't even take your body. How do I know? I've been to enough funerals to know your hair stays. Your feet stay 
your bank account stays. Your dog stays. Oh, Pastor Devin, okay, maybe there are dogs in heaven. I'm not sure. Whatever you want to believe. <laughs> your house stays. It's wonderful, but this is what's so sad about the fallen nature of man. We bank our whole life on the realm that will pass away. And we're supposed to be living for a dimension that is just as real that we cannot see. But guess what? Everything that is spirit lives forever. So we are very comfortable in the natural realm because we see it with our natural senses. But we are uncomfortable when we start talking about supernatural. Look at the word. It's not a weird word. It's supernatural. That means it's above natural. That's all it means. When I say something supernatural, it happens. It just means, hey, it's in the other realm. You can't see it, but it's happening. You cannot see that healing is in this room, but it's here. It's supernatural. It's above natural. And so we're very comfortable with the natural realm. We kind of flip out with the supernatural realm. But that's not how God made you to work. He actually created the natural realm. And he said, you know what? I'm going to make this being with my own hands. I'm going to call man and woman Adam. And he said, I'm going to make them out of natural material and then I'm going to breathe my spirit inside of them. And when that happened, Adam became the first creature that had access to both realms. So Adam could take care of the garden and then walk with God in the cool of the day. Freaky, right? You were made to operate in two realms. You were made to commune with God and reflect his dominion on earth. God is not here. He's in the supernatural realm in heaven. And that's why when Adam messed up, God put on flesh to redeem the natural realm. Don't you ever ask questions like that? <laughs> like, God, why didn't you just go poof and everything be done? Because he had already established the order on earth, and you cannot operate in the physical realm without flesh. Oh, I should have prepared notes for this. It's why a demon will roam around in dry places looking. Why do demons possess people? You should ask questions like this. Because they don't have access to the natural realm unless they find a body. And so your body, why should you take care of your temple? Because when you lose your temple, you lose access to this realm. You don't have dominion anymore. Yes, you're present with Jesus, but you're forever in that supernatural realm, and you lose access here. So the better you take care of your body, the better you can access two realms. And that's why Jesus, actually, God came in the flesh so he could adjust the natural realm. So every day you wake up, you should walk in both realms. That's why Paul said, don't walk by the flesh, walk by the spirit. And so if you are constantly stuck in the natural realm, you will not hear the supernatural voice of God. You'll hear my voice, and that's why some of us have to get a million prophetic words. Because God knows we cannot hear him ourselves. So he'll speak to my supernatural ears so I can speak in a natural voice and then your natural ears hear my natural voice. But the truth is God wants you to get to a place where he can speak to you himself. 
And when you get to that place, this is the beautiful thing. Most prophetic words in your life should confirm what you already know. Do you know how amazing it is when someone prophesies to you and you go, I thought God said that to me this morning. Or I've been praying about being a missionary. Or I've been praying about adoption and you just confirmed it. And if prophetic words are always new news to you, you need to challenge your spiritual hearing. But it, when, it's, when you're walking in the natural and the spirit, they'll become a confirmation. And so God wants to speak to you every day. God is always speaking. He's always talking. I tell my children, it is like a radio station, if we even know what that is anymore. But I used to love, when they were little, it was J103. Do we still have J103? Yes, good. It was J103, right? And we could turn the knob to J103 and hear the music. And then I could stop my car or turn the knob or even go to a different station. And just because I changed the frequency, J103 did not cease to play music. I just tuned off of their station. And as soon as I would tune back in, it would pick up wherever they were, not where I left off. And the spirit realm is the same way. It's like a radio station. And sometimes we got to get quiet or sometimes we got to fast or sometimes we got to pray because we're kind of out of tune and we don't know what's going on. And when you begin to seek God, like in this hundred days and you're reading and you're praying and you're fasting, it's like you're turning the knob of your spirit. And all of a sudden you're going to be like, I hear, I hear the Lord, I hear him, he's talking, and that's how God wants us to live, where I have one ear to what Crystal may whisper to me on a Sunday morning, but the other ear is what is God wanting to say when we come up and pray, or what is he wanting to preach, when we have a, an ear in the natural and an ear in the spirit, we need more awareness of the spirit. And so we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God in his languages. I'm going to end with this. I'm not too far over. God gave me an object lesson. Here is my cell phone with a shattered screen. This thing, I don't even use its full potential. I'm not even sure what this thing can do. I like to be able to call people and then call me, and I like to text. And that is about all I do. And so for God to give me an object lesson with it is very funny. But um, this is what I felt like he spoke to me early this morning. He said, Devin, I want you to look at the functions of your phone because this is what everybody carries. We are constantly available now. It is hard for me to remember even my college days when my mom could not talk to me until I got back to my dorm room. We are constantly available. Most of us don't even turn them off at night. So I can be in the middle of a conversation with Crystal and my phone ring and what do I do? I'm like, oh, hold on just a second. Right? interrupted all the time but God can't interrupt us for anything right we're not constantly available to him but when Paul said pray without ceasing it's kind of like carrying your cell phone it didn't mean you go into your prayer closet and never came out it means you are always available to the Lord you're always talking to him even when I'm talking to Jeremiah my ears still open to heaven and I think I tell these funny stories I'll be driving in the car just pouring my heart out to Kevin and he'll just go into tongues and I'm like hello are you talking to God? You're supposed to be talking to me. He's like, I'm so sorry. Holy Spirit just spoke something to me. That's praying without ceasing. So it's like this right here. We can understand it in the natural, but in the spirit, we just can't get it. But I can take this phone and I can put it on something called airplane mode. 
and it doesn't have all the functions running, right? I can call, but like my Wi-Fi is not available or I can't check certain things. And that's where a lot of us are in the spirit. We have the ability to access, but something in our spirit is on airplane mode. And so we might hear God once a year. I'm talking to the people that maybe hear him every once in a while or you're like, there was this one time I heard the Lord. You're partially functioning and you need to flip off airplane mode and become fully functional in your spirit, meaning God can speak to you in any time, any way, any place, right? Some of us have God as a blocked caller. This happened one time. Blocked, blocking someone can really offend them. So I'm, I'm a hazard with my phone. I don't know how it works. So I didn't know you could block people. And I guess I had clicked on someone and blocked them and didn't know it. A family member. So for like weeks, I didn't hear from them. They were like, you've blocked me. I said, what does that mean? It means their calls, texts, weren't even allowed to come through. I didn't just ignore them. There was no reception at all. No clue they were talking to me. And some of us have God as a blocked caller. That barrier is only put up when we are distant, prayerless, full of compromise and sin. Do you know your sin can make your life like God is a blocked caller? If you don't pray if you don't just at least make time for him, his, his voice can't even get through the barrier of hard-heartedness and unbelief. And some of us need to check our heart and say, well, I can get a call from everybody else in my life, but God, I don't ever hear from him. Maybe he's a blocked caller. Then there's do not disturb mode. Too busy. Right? Just right now, I don't want to be bothered. I put it on do not disturb when I'm sleeping, right? Because I love you and I'll talk to you at a later time and a later date. But right now, I don't want to be bothered. And I'm here to tell you, this is the thing about God's voice. He'll speak to you when you're doing laundry. He'll break in with his word when you're driving to work and you're not even expecting it. And it's the sweetest, most wonderful moments. And some of us have a Martha mentality, and we're missing him because we don't want him to interrupt our busyness. And some of us need to stop and take God off, do not disturb, and give him permission to interrupt you at your work cubicle, if that's what he needs to do. One more, and then there's silent mode. And that's when there's no awareness that he's even speaking and you don't know his calls are coming through. My phone can be on silent. You know what my kids do? They will ping me with the lost phone app. Because I'm notorious for my phone being on silent mode. Or I'll sit it in the kitchen and I'll do a million things. And I'll hear it going ding, 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 ding. Like I lost it. And I didn't. And Isaiah's going, Mom, Mom, I've been calling you. And some of you, God has been desperately trying to reach you. And you don't even know. You're missing his calls. You don't even know. His text messages are popping up all through your life. And tonight he wants you to take it off silent mode. So would you just stand with me? I want to end tonight by just praying a prayer, leading us in a prayer that you pray. That God will help us adjust ourselves to hear him.
Those things over the cell phone, they were comical. The Lord gave them to me like 5 o'clock this morning. But they hit some of you right between the eyes. And I'm not having an altar call for each one of them, you know. But I think first we've got to ask God for a hunger to hear him. You got to want to. And once you hear him, you will hunger for his voice every day that you wake up. His voice is so sweet. I tell my mamas, everybody in the house says, Mama, Mama, Mama. Sometimes you want to hide in the closet. Because when I hear Mama, I know somebody needs something. God is one of the only people in my life, when he calls my name, he's not trying to take anything from me. He wants to give me something. You will never hear from him and not leave different or encouraged or changed. You are his sheep. You do hear him. And so if we can just bow our heads, can we just put our hands on our ears? And Father, we, we put our natural hands on our natural ears to remind us that our spiritual ears are just as real as what we're touching. And Lord, we wouldn't settle for natural deafness. No, we would go to a doctor or get a hearing aid. We would do something. And Jesus, one of your miracles was to constantly open deaf ears. And it's because your people were deaf in the spirit. So tonight we touch our natural ears. And for all who are willing to whisper a prayer to him, we ask you, Father, open our ears. Open the ears of this church. May we hear you clearly. May we hear you frequently. May our ears be available to you constantly. Lord, may, us, may we always have our ears in the natural, one toward this realm, but our ears in the spirit in another realm. And Father, if there's anything in our heart that is too busy or uninterested, we ask you for a hunger for your voice. Oh, Father, we love your voice. So, Father, for the one who's listening right now who hasn't heard you ever, I pray for a sweet first encounter. For the ones in here who haven't heard you in a very long time, unstop their hearing, Father. Renew their faith. You're speaking. Just take it off silent mode. And for the ones of us who, Lord, we've been seeking to hear you, God, we want to hear you more. It's never enough. It's never enough. We want to hear you more for ourselves, for others. We want to know your heart. Teach us to stay tuned to the right frequency. And I just declare over these hundred days, as we make room for you, one of the places we make room is in our hearing. We make room for your voice in our daily life, just like we charge our cell phones and carrying them on our person all day long. We want to be just as available to you. We are your sheep and we declare, we do hear your voice. I declare over your people now, you do hear his voice. Let it be opened now. Let our ears be open now. 
And so, Father, for those who just need to hear from you, those who are seeking direction or need encouragement or making big decisions, Father, they don't want to make without you, I just pray for the next couple minutes in this wonderfully prophetic, sweet atmosphere. Lacey, I want to ask you all to come back up and just we're going to close with that song. I believe what Pastor Rick tapped into is God was speaking, trying to speak to some people. And what I heard him say is he's trying to make room for some things. Over the next hundred days, we've been saying we're making a hunt room for his glory, a hundred days to glory. But let me just expound the definition of that. Doesn't mean we're just making room for good services. God wants to make some room in your personal life so that you glorify him more. Some of you are about to experience changes in your job, changes in your personal relationships, open doors and opportunities you weren't expecting. He's about to make room for himself to be bigger in your daily life. That's what I felt. And I felt what the Lord was speaking to some people is that there has to be space for him to be bigger. He doesn't share space with carnal unvaluable things. And some of you in your schedule, in your life plan, in your in your calendar, he's asking you to make room not to take something but because he has something absolutely wonderful, absolutely glorious he has purpose to do absolutely marvelous he has purpose to do and that pulling your feeling on your heart and that that concern about surrender you need to let it go in trust of the Lord that if he asks you for anything it's only because he has something better so with every hand lifted father would you just speak to your people before we leave today would you just speak to every heart some of them you already spoke to some of you're gonna finish speaking to but we're going to make room for your voice and we're going to end by allowing the worship team to prophesy this song. It's a prophetic declaration. I'm going to do something so spontaneous. I'm going to ask my students very quickly, come up to the front, face the congregation, just line up here like you're altar workers. And if anybody wants prayer before they leave, we're going to have an altar call. Okay, we won't stay for it. You can leave when you need to, but you can also receive prayer. And this is the prophetic word I heard earlier that I want to release. I had Crystal count it. When I declared the sermon on a Sunday morning, 100 Days to Glory, we started that January 1st. It actually ends on Palm Sunday. There's such prophetic alignment with that. But there was this other layer I didn't understand. And, and they were texting me and holding up signs while I was preaching and I was clueless. But when I was releasing the word double in 2022, that, that 2022, the twos, I said, let me just be crazy and say it's a year of double. I did not realize 100 days from that Sunday was February 22nd, 2022. You can't get more double than that. There is something corporate with the body of Christ he is doing between now and Palm Sunday. But this is what I heard the Lord say, because this is what he said to me. And he said tonight, Devin, that was for more than just you. He told me that Sunday, he said, mark your calendar for February 22nd, 2022, because I'm going to do something personal for you. And I want to release this to somebody else. 
We're going to go through this 100 days corporately. We're making room for his glory. But February 22nd, 2022 is 53 days in, just three days over the halfway mark. And this is what I want to prophesy. The first half of this 100 days is about making room for something dead in the middle in your personal life. Now, if that's not you, it's not going to hit you that way. But some of you, you feel the spirit on that. Something halfway through. I don't know if it's with your children, your job, your house. It's not corporate. It's personal. And so with every hand lifted, Father, whoever that is for, we make room. I thank you, Father. We're making room corporately. The bride of Christ is welcoming you. But, Lord, you're coming to some people's homes to make room for something marvelous. And I prophesy that day of double will be something personal for your people. Some of them are believing you for things right now. You're speaking them to make room for things that they're not going to wait to the end of the 100 days. It's coming at the halfway mark. And I just release that over you.